First and foremost, Miles, thank you so much for your deep dedication to our nation as a cameraman. Because, I mean, you you have things inside that camera that you experience hands-on. And then it's shared with the rest of the world. Yep. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. I filmed, um, my job was to film uh, propaganda for the military and uh, basically sell the war and show people that we were winning and we were going to hand over Afghanistan to the, to the Afghan army and they would be able to be able to, uh, take on the Taliban after we left, which obviously did not go very well. Um, but at the same time I was filming everything else that was, that was happening. How do you define the word propaganda? Because it seems to be thrown about like you wouldn't believe these days. Oh, that's propaganda. That's fake news. Propaganda. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard to define these days. I think um, there's and there's so much information coming at us that uh, I I think people tend to uh, just de- you know disconnect and not know what to believe, and uh, they latch on to conspiracy theories and whatnot to kind of um, give themselves like a sense of agency. You know, when we feel powerless. And we have so much information. The news cycle is so fast. Uh, we just start to not believe anything that we're being yeah. told. But I would, I would definitely describe the work I was doing uh, for the military as it, it literally was called propaganda. I mean, it was a psychological. It was part part of psyops, psychological operations, you know. And it was to, you know. One was to get the Afghans on our side, mm-hmm. and the other was to uh, sell the war to the American people, basically. Doesn't that take an art form? Because, I mean, to me, that that's an art, to be able to create a language that people are going to buy into. I mean, that's like selling the spots off a leopard. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was tough. I mean, the main three things I couldn't show were, like, Marines smoking cigarettes. Okay. And Marines are always smoking cigarettes. <laughs> uh, no Marines cursing. And Marines are always cursing. <laughs> and then no dead bot, no dead people. Mm-hmm. And in war, people are always dying. So, I had, so cutting all those three out, um, I don't know if you call it an art form, but it was certainly... Uh, it was a lot of uh, bleeping and cutting and yeah well here's here's what i'm feeling when 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 you when you're sharing that is the fact that i mean i've worked for a major uh, broadcast company and they would always tell me quit being a rock in a stream i need flow flow and to me you were answering their call you were giving them that flow you weren't standing in the way of their mission yeah not until i got out yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i yeah <laughs> then I became a rock. <laughs> so during, but, but the thing about it is I'm blessed with the opportunity to talk to a lot of men and women who have served the military. Did you have to go through an editing process with this book? Yeah, of course. Um, Simon and Schuster, had, um, uh, Nick Chiani was my editor and, uh, we worked together on it and, you know, it was, he did a great job, I think. And also, um, you know, my agent and everything. Uh, yeah. 
So did, the military did not have to read the book then, like so many others. You know, it's like, okay, you read, you got a book. Okay, let's let's see if you're going to release any information. Uh, I'm not going to. I, I went through that process with the film. I'm not doing it with the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pentagon. Sorry, DOD. The name of the book if we're talking. Wanna, yeah. You no, know, continue, please, Miles. If they want to sue me, they can sue me. <laughs> I love that attitude, man, because winning is a choice, and you, you've got some fire, buddy. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm pissed. Yeah. You have every right in the world to be, dude. And and here's how I can relate with it, Miles, and that is is that as the production director of a major corporation, I was told to create commercials and use words that people didn't say. When it comes to an editor, I can make you say things that you did not. I never liked that feeling, but I was doing my job. That's what they told me to do. And to this day, I still hold on to that, and I'm still pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, frustrating not be able to, not being able to tell the truth, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, to put this book together was it great therapy or was it an opportunity for you to say, "Hey, there's something you should know, and let's have a conversation about it." Well, it's it was both for me naturally. Like uh, you know, with the film, it was um, the film was a lot harder to make because it was just rewatching the same footage of my friends dying or mm-hmm. you know, getting blown up, whatever. And, um, and going through that over and over and over again. Now that was really tough, but with the, with the book, the book just kind of poured out of me. I think, you know, uh, you're able to kind of, uh, make characters out of real people. Even you make a character out of yourself mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so for me, it was, uh, the book was a lot more cathartic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So have friends picked it up and read it? And the reason why I bring that up is because, uh, one of my books, a friend picked it up, said, man, you're writing about me. That's me. You, you, dude, that's not the way I really was. Is it? Yeah. It's the way you really were. And it pissed him off. We, we broke up our friendship. Do you, have you run into anything like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, especially on, uh, on film, people do not like people will, you'll interview someone and, uh, and they'll watch the interview and be like, wait, I, 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 you can't, I don't want to be in this, you know, like, but that's what you said. You know, you, uh, you said those things and, uh, you know, I've, I've even been guilty of that. You know, I've I've been interviewed and then been like, ah, shit. (laughs) And, um, so you, yeah, you lose, you, you lose friends. I lost friends with the film, the book, but it's also brought a lot of us together, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it just, uh, it goes both ways. You know? There's a quote in here that really owns my heart right now. And the quote that you have in here, Marines straddling the edge of chaos. Oh my God. I mean, that to me is like, Give these men and women the love, the support, and be there for them because, by God, they're there for you. Well, yeah, what was the question? Well, the, the question, it's a statement. You're the one that made the statement. Marines straddling the edge of chaos. That is a powerful statement. I'd put that on a T-shirt and a heartbeat and wear that monkey around. I actually didn't write that. It's on the back of the book. But, um, take it. Take take uh, the credit. Take the credit, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, Marines, yeah. Make a T-shirt out of it. That 
the merch. Absolutely. Is there going to be any merch on this? Because I mean, I mean, right now, I mean, you you've got the workings of being able to to go out and and do lectures across the nation about okay, what is the truth and how much of the truth can we sell without having to you know cover it up with something else? Uh, yeah. I hope so. I hope that um, yeah. I hope that. I'm able to do that and people can hear the truth and yeah, that would be great. I mean, combat obscura played at, at the United nations. That was cool. They got to see that. And then also just like bonding with, um, with veterans from past wars, you know, like Vietnam guys who kind of, cause Afghanistan and Vietnam were, were similar in a, in a lot of ways, I think. And, um, just being, being able to connect with, past generations like that I, I find is uh it's really cool i gotta tell you on on the streets that i walk it, i i love it when when military men and women wear the hats that tell me where they served and what war they served and i'm finally finally it's take it takes months for me to get a conversation going with somebody who served in the vietnam war it's about building a relationship and trust are you f- seeing and experiencing the same thing when I, I, <laughs> I, yeah, the guys with the hat, um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I think they're just looking for a uh, free beer. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, th- there's a certain, uh, currency that, that comes with being a veteran and, uh, even experiencing trauma. I think trauma has a huge currency today. And um, it's not necessarily that people show you more respect. Though I guess they do in some ways, but they they're kind of afraid of you mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we get a lot, you know, a lot of these empty statements like "thank you for your service" and stuff, because they don't people don't really want to have an honest conversation about what we did out there, you know, and and and. Uh, the, in my eyes, the illegality of it. And, um, yeah. So, uh, you'll, you're never going to see me walk around with a, with a, uh, Afghan war campaign hat. Yeah. That's just not, that's yeah. not my vibe. Wow. <laughs> Americans cast out into the desert. That, that is a that is a vision that so many of us do not understand. We, we would see pictures, like you said, we, we bought what the, the photographs and, and the reels that were sent back to us, but we never really got to see the deeper, darker story of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's been a lot of, you know, Afghan war documentaries that are really good, Restrepo, et cetera. But... Um, I think Combat Obscurus and this book stand out because I was uh, I was one of them and I had an access to these Marines in a way that uh, a civilian journalist didn't or couldn't. You know what I love about this book is the fact that my mother lost two brothers in the in the Korean War, which is called the un the unspoken war. And the fact that you're coming out and you're talking about this means we're going to continue speaking about this war. We've got to keep talking about it because it cannot become forgotten. No, it certainly can't. It shouldn't, uh, especially with everything going on right now in Israel. Um, I see the same kind of fear mongering 
that uh, that happened after 9-11 to get us involved in, in, in the war on terror. And um, I think we just need to have a different understanding of what terrorism is, you know? Uh, I, I think it's uh, uh, a very black and white term, though it's, it's much more complicated. And, mm-hmm. and who's a terrorist and who's not, I mean, is uh, a drone, you know, extra judicious, you know, judiciously like just assassinating someone from the sky without a trial, without any kind of uh, investigation. Is that terrorism? Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, you have a group like Hamas who, um, I, and it, I'm in no way condoning them or condoning terrorism or anything, but um, you have to understand when a machine, when a giant machine, like, the Israeli military, which is backed by an even bigger war machine, uh, the U.S. Right? When you're when you're being oppressed by such a out when you're so outnumbered, sometimes the only uh, way to get your just to push back is to commit acts of terrorism. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a great film called Battle, Battle for or the Battle of Algiers, and uh, you really see how, you know, um, when an oppressed group is is outnumbered and, and everything, sometimes that is their only option. And and I'm in no way condoning terrorism. I just think we need to think of it in a different light. Mm-hmm. Do you? As a civilian now, do you still study? Do you do you because you can't you can't watch a, a, a documentary or even read a book without going? Okay, I'm going to put myself in this position. What would I do? Uh, do I still? Yeah, I mean, I just finished grad school. Well, well, um, yeah, sure. Do I put myself in that? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, even as a third-degree black belt, I can't watch a martial arts movie because I sit there and I study everything that they're doing. And they're going, did you just catch the storyline? No, no. I was watching how uh-huh. they're they're using their mind, body, and soul. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I do that with war movies because they're so fake, but yeah. <laughs> and you talk to the screen saying, no, 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 not not getting into this one. That's 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 bull. That's they're, they're, mm, that didn't, That's not the way it really happened. Yeah, I mean, like the, one of the big things is like when there's a an airstrike or like a bomb that goes off in the distance, the sound comes after. And so, like in movies, it's always like the sound and the explosion happen at the same time, and that always, yeah, that always takes me out. Let me let me ask you a personal question, one on one. One of the biggest sounds in the history of movie making happened just this past year with Oppenheimer. Can you handle a movie like that when when that thing goes off and twenty seconds of silence goes by and then, wow, it hits. Yeah, that one fucked me up because like uh, we saw it. Me, my wife and I saw it in IMAX, and um, <laughs> like I knew it was coming, right? Yes. But you don't know when, and that that shit was loud. Yep. I mean, it was. Yes, yeah, so that that kind of that kind of messed me up. Yeah. 
For the men and women that are listening, the rebuilding and the healing process takes so much time. Doesn't it start with communication and people like yourself just being real, being open with yourself and with your emotions? Absolutely, yeah. And honesty is key. Um, I think there's a lot of war memoirs written by Navy SEALs and, and, and Special Forces guys that are not honest. They're very self-congratulatory they uh they make stuff up to make themselves look better etc um and uh i think honesty is although it's hard to uh you know to cope with sometimes it's uh it's key to to getting through this war and making sure that we don't you know ever do it again yeah have you found yourself in a position of i forgive myself miles because, I mean, you, you knew what you were doing but and, and you knew that it was wrong and it does create anger, but have you forgiven yourself? Uh, sometimes I do and then yeah. sometimes I don't, you know. It, it comes in waves. Like, I didn't really uh, had a lot of anger when I came back, but anger for, like, the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And then as I got, you know, as I got older and more mature, then the guilt started to really hit. And then it kind of went away for a while, but then COVID hit and you were, we were kind of for veterans. I think COVID was, uh, really difficult because, um, it was just like all we were, all we were doing were, you know, was there with our thoughts and like our memories and, you know, drink day drinking and yep. drugging and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it comes it comes and goes, you know. You said something a little bit earlier, and I don't I don't want listeners to to miss out on it just in case they did. And that is that you said grad school. There are so many people that have the opportunity to do the same exact thing. What what did you study? Film. Did you really? Oh my God, that is see that that's right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, I know. I never expected to. Um be an author like I never wrote prose I, I just wrote scripts um, but uh, yeah I, I found like a really I found I I found writing a book very kind of fun in a way like in a way that screenwriting is not you know, screenwriting is very it's like putting together a, like a puzzle yeah. every every piece has to fit in um, to the to the action to the story but with prose, you know, writing a book, you can go on tangents, you know, yeah. and you can uh, explore different and just, yeah, get poetic. You can change like the style. So it's like much more, I find it much more liberating, mm-hmm. you know. I've been a daily writer since July of 1994. I use a writing instrument. Did you, did you start this book as a writing instrument or did you go right to the computer? What do you mean? Uh, Another yeah. word. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, I'll give you a good typewriter? example. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to, oh god, dang! If you used a typewriter, I love you even more. Jeez, I mean, there you go. No, I didn't. No, I didn't use a typewriter. Okay. I was asking. You said, did you use a writing? A writing instrument. See, what, what do you mean? yeah. I walked into a store one time and I said, "Do you guys sell pens?" How dare you ask me a question like that? They're yeah. writing instruments. And I went, "Oh, geez, my life just changed." So I, <laughs> I got addicted to call them writing. So in other words, did you use a pen? <laughs> No, I would have gotten Carpal Tunnel, I think, if I wrote a 300-page book with a pen. So apparently uh, Bukowski used to do that before he, before he got big. 
Yeah, there's, there's, it, because to me, it gets the, the the whole entire body involved. When you start cramping up in the arms and stuff like that, it's because you know you've done something. And whereas uh, when when I'm typing on the computer, it's like my fingers get tired, but the rest of me has been sitting here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're. <laughs> yeah. So, Miles, where can people go to find out more about you and give you a lot of love? Because I have this feeling this film career of yours is going to take us in a completely different direction in the way of really digging into a story. Because Sylvester Stallone right now has been on this big kick of saying we need to start telling the truth about war, which is the reason why he's re-releasing the real story of First Blood, the one where he dies in the first episode. Oh, really? Yeah, because he wants people to know about the realism of war. I didn't know that there was. Wait, so he's re. Oh, with like uh, an alternate ending, like it's yeah, the there same was film, but. Yeah, because what happened was was that research showed in the in the early showings of the film is that people didn't want him to 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 die at the end of it, and so they thought, well, f- maybe we can create a franchise out of this. But see, Stallone has had his hands on this real ending for all of these years. Right. Yeah, I mean, Rambo. Rambo is a ridiculous film. Um, that uh, sort of created a trope out of the the Vietnam veteran, you know, <laughs> who can like, you know, go on a killing spree and and all that. And but uh, I, I think that's great that he that he's re releasing it where he dies at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yeah, you've got to come back to this show anytime in the future, Miles. The door is always going to be open for you. All right, I appreciate it, man. Dude, I appreciate you. I appreciate your truth, and, man, just don't stop using it. All right, you too. Thank you, sir. Take care, bud.